This is Deion Dawkins, man, and you're listening to The Scoop on OwlScoop.com. You already know. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Scoop, OwlScoop.com's podcast, Season 8, Episode 44. I'm John DiCarlo, and we have Kyle Gauss, Declan Landis, Rymir Vaughn, and Johnny Zawizlak, no Javon Edmonds. No Caden Steele. We I want to say that their whereabouts are unknown, but we know that they're we know that they're safe. They're just they're just busy with other things today. What's going on, guys? How are you? Oh great. 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 Awesome. <laughs> Super enthusiastic. <laughs> just wonderful. Just peachy. Somebody had a birthday last week. Kyle, how was how was your birthday? Oh, yeah, I did. Uh, I was good. Birthdays are kind of unceremonial once you have kids. It becomes the the kids' birthdays. Jordan uh, insisted on taking photos in front of my cake. That was something he does. <laughs> you guys, said, so what'd you do? Just a little cookout cake? No, there's so many May birthdays in my family. Like all me, my brother, my sister, are all born in May. My niece is born in May. Uh, Mother's Day is in May. Like there's, like, there's so many. Well, my brother-in-law is May. There's so many celebrations that we just do one thing the previous Sunday. So I did that, and I think I went to a beer garden. I believe. Sounds good. I listened to the scoop. You're just shaking your head at me? I was like, I, I did, I'm just lying for the scoop. I, I didn't have a chance to listen to last week's episode. <laughs> well, then you missed out on a great conversation with Fran Duffy. But, you know, you were busy. You were busy. Yeah. So Memorial Day weekend listening. I'll, I'll, I'll pencil it in. Declan, what did you get Kyle for his birthday? Uh, it's a great question. Uh, I am broke, so I was going to go with, you know, my, my affection, you know, and my, my respect. De- Declan got me a gift because he mentioned Sinead O'Connor's, uh, nothing compares to you. And for some reason, Alexa must be listening or something. And it worked its way into my YouTube algorithm the past couple of weeks. Just a, you're welcome. Just a phenomenal song. song. Yeah. Great song. There we go. Wait, when, when are everybody else's birthdays so we can create the Al Scoop birthday calendar? Ramir, <laughs> when's your birthday? July 24th. July 24th for Ramir. Declan, uh, October second, and Johnny. I'm November. I'm November 9th. So Declan, Johnny, old for your grade. Right, yes. young for your grade. Is that how the breakdown worked? Is it? I'm I not. Think sure. It's like isn't it like August <laughs> or September usually is like the cutoff. So if you're like July, I think. Yeah, you're... sometimes like summer birthdays get held back, right? Like so that they're uh, a bunch of my friends did that where they were like august birthdays and they got held back so they were the oldest kids so it's which, 50 50 which isn't the worst move because otherwise like i remember being friends with a girl that was like 17 when she went to college for the first like two months of college and like you couldn't live in pittsburgh's dorm or wherever until you're 18 so you had to, like two months of not being able to live in the dorms so that's wild yeah. that sucks yeah, yeah that's crazy <laughs> you guys believe in the astrological stuff no, no, no. <laughs> I don't know enough Wait. about it to believe in it. Like, if what? I knew a bit more, maybe I would. What am I tra- transversing the Atlantic Ocean? Like, I don't need to know the stars. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> a, a reminder before we move on with the podcast here. A reminder, as always, that the scoop is now brought to you by Greenspan and Greenspan Injury Lawyers. If you have been injured while on the road or highway and the crash was someone else's fault, the insurance company will not have your back or be on your side. You need us, Temple Law grads, who will fight hard to get the compensation that you deserve. We only get paid if we win in Pennsylvania or New York. 
Call us today at 215-261-7359. That's 215-261-7359. And you can find them on the web at greenspans-law.com. That's greenspans-law.com. Famous number. Let's do famous before we get into all the, the good uh, coverage, the the, uh, the Heiser Miller interview that we have for you guys. Famous number 44s and 43 since we didn't get to do the number thing. Last One week. is very topical about the conversation we just had. 44, Henry Aaron? Hank Aaron, yeah. 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 What about 43s before we go back to 44s? Aaron Sproles. Aaron Sproles. Yeah, I had. I was going to say him. Or um... Kyle's Tom Glavin, 43? No, wasn't he 40? Maybe he was 43. I'm terrible with numbers. He was 47. 47, 47. 47. Steve Avery, I'm thinking of a break. I'm going to throw this out here. We're not usually this type of podcast, but this came to my mind actually relatively first. Richard Petty? No, I was yeah. going to say that. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Like that came to mind. I was like, I know there's like a NASCAR 43 here. Like a Richard Dang Petty. it. I was going to say, perfect. like, you know, I don't want anybody to think differently of me, but Richard Petty was the only person that came to my mind. Troy Palomalo was 43, wasn't he? He was, right? I believe so. Also, Paul Reed, 44. Here we go. <laughs> oh, there you go. Do you remember um, Jonah the Bolton for the Sixers? Which Jonah Bolden. Yes. World 43. Yes. Oh, yeah. Friend. He's a processor. Uh, William McCovey. Reggie Jackson. Oh, yeah. Reggie Jackson. Yeah, yeah. Reggie Jackson from where originally? Oakland. Oh, he oh no. From? He's from um, he's from uh, Abington, right? Oh, yeah. Cheltenham. Side. Cheltenham, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sort of. I thought, he went, woods. I thought he went to Abington High School. Yeah. With um, Eddie George. Not at the same time, obviously. But they both went yes. to Abington High School. Eddie George, one number two. No, I lied. Reggie Jackson went to Cheltenham High School with a little dicky. <laughs> what? Uh, we do a lot of good stuff coming up <laughs> for you guys. Uh, I'm laughing because that one's laughing and Johnny's laughing. Um, real quick, like the yes. best ish pitcher in the early 2000s on some really bad teams. 44 or 43? 44. I'd say, I'd say there was like a four year stretch where he was the best pitcher in baseball on the Padres. I'm Jake Peavy. Jake Peavy. Oh, wow. Wow. A lot of baseball talk early on. Yeah. Well, seam heads. Seam heads. Seam head scoop. Anyway, Stan Drayton's uh, first prospect camp is coming up this Memorial Day weekend on Sunday with two sessions. We'll have coverage of some of the players who are expected to be there. So if you're an Al Scoop subscriber, you'll have access to that content from Declan, from Ramir. Johnny's got a couple of stories in the can, we believe. Uh, And we've got a lot of uh, football recruiting coverage coming up for you. You're also going to hear a portion here of my interview, as I said before, with Temple point guard, Hysir Miller. We talked about what went wrong this past season and pretty much gave me a great scouting report of the team and went right down the roster. Again, Al Scoop subscribers will get the full interview later this week and including insight into each and every one of the transfers who have joined the team, like Quante Berry from Providence, Matteo Piccarelli from UMBC, Jordan Riley from Georgetown and Steve Settle from Howard. So you'll have to subscribe to get the full interview, but you'll hear more about the returning players here uh, where Heiser uh, where thinks he can improve and how Adam Fisher and the new staff can help. Uh, we got some other football recruiting updates after the interview here. So we're going to play uh, a good portion of this Heiser Miller interview. Uh, a lot to take in here. He talked about his overseas trip to Spain with Jaleel White. 
their leadership roles because they're really kind of now the elder statesman of the team. Talked about where Jaleel White can improve and how maybe a change of scenery with new coaching staff can help him. Uh, talked about what he expects from guys like Tosh Thweet, Deuce Roberts, Shane Dizoni, Emmanuel Okpomo, Zion Stanford, the freshman from uh, from West Catholic who's coming in. And as you'll hear here, he was very open and honest here about what went wrong last season and and how not everybody was on the same page. And a cool thing that he'll reveal a little bit later on in the interview is that he has a new book coming out and uh, wouldn't tell us the title, but he, he promised to come back on the podcast to talk about some some really cool stuff coming up there. But we'll play this interview for you again. It's not the whole thing. Uh, you'll have to subscribe to Al Scoop to get the whole thing, to get the complete rundown of the roster, but a lot of good stuff here to take in. So we'll play this for you and react to it on the other side. Oh, we're really excited to have Temple's rising junior point guard, Heisier Miller, back on uh, on the scoop with us to talk to him about all things Temple basketball, the roster, and everything in between. Heisier, I uh, wanted to ask you first, first of all, thanks for joining us. Um, I can't remember whose Instagram account I saw it on, whether it was yours or maybe Jaleel's. Did you guys just go on a, a whitewater rafting trip? I, I I saw you talking about some sort of near-death experience that was making me uh, laugh it was very very uh very I'm, funny what happened there i'm lucky that you're, you're here talking to us it looked like it was uh looked like it was touch and go for a while what happened there you know um, we was just blessed enough to um take a um, study abroad trip to spain us and a few other student athletes across um temple but yeah it was just um i wouldn't say scary it was just a, a, a eye-opening event i mean i fell in the water <laughs> off the canoe and my life jacket wasn't fully equipped so oh no so it was, it was a little scary, but in a few minutes everything was back to normal. We was good to go, but in the moments I didn't, I didn't know which way it was going to take a turn for. <laughs> this was this happened in Spain. This was from from the trip there. Yeah, but we were, we was we was pretty safe. It's just when I fell in the water, I fell in the head first, so it kind of had me on my edge once I went under. And I'm not the best swimmer. The way you were telling the story was very I could hear people laughing in the background. It was very it was good good storytelling on your part. What was that trip like though? I mean, like the, the scenery looked beautiful. I mean, what was it like? Uh what was it just like to, to go abroad? Um, it was great. First and foremost, just getting a chance to be out there with different athletes from many multiple teams and getting to know them um better. You know, you see these guys like and these girls on campus and you might see them in a the Resnick Center, but you don't really get to know them as much just because they're not on your team or you might not have that relationship. So I think it was pretty cool to have that experience. I feel like I grew relationships with many of the other student athletes. And then on a, on the other hand, just seeing like, I mean, a new, a new country, it was great. You get to learn a lot. We went to some, um, some nice museums. We had a chance to visit the Royal Palace. Mm -hmm. Um, and my favorite place, we went to Toledo where we seen a lot of historic, um, cathedrals, but just the view was, was great for me. Like everywhere we drove, it was just beautiful sightings. So I just was taking it all in and then Mm -hmm. now I'm back and just ready to work. Who got to go? Was it you and Jaleel from the team? Anybody else get to go? Yeah. um, It was was just me and Jaleel from the men's basketball, but it was almost like 15 other students across the other sports as well. So they made sure they try to implement everybody to have experience. You've you've talked about this a little bit already, but for anybody who's listening who hasn't heard about this, you you obviously you entered the transfer portal and you decided to come back. What was what went into your decision to come back to Temple? Um, of course, I, um, I heard from some pretty good schools, you know, some pretty good coaches I met throughout that process, and they treated me like you know, just as well, just as good as Temple has treated me. But for me, um, Temple is just a part of like what made me and and, and who I represent, like my city. I mean, I talked to Coach Fish. I talked to Coach Clark when I found out he was getting back on staff. 
because even when I was in the transit protocols park, he was just always supporting me and whatever decision that made made sense for me and my family, just just having my back with that. So, I mean, but just like just the just the vibe those guys, those guys gave me. Um, I knew Coach Huger um a little bit when I was in high school because he was at Bowling Green. Mm-hmm. Same with Coach Jordan. So I think I was um pretty familiar with the staff. Um, but. You know, I'm a, I'm a Temple Owl, honestly. So I feel like it was bigger than bigger than just like the staff. I feel like I had unfinished business just being home. I don't want to leave like my city knowing that the type of year we had. Not saying it was the worst year ever, but we did mm-hmm. come up really short. So I just feel like giving it another go around with Coach Fish and and all the new coaches and some of the new players. Just talking to those guys as well, they got me extremely excited about what we can do. And mm-hmm. most importantly, my boy Jalil, like. I mean, of course, he knew that I had an opportunity to leave, and man, that's my roommate. So, man, I'm got a good relationship, but he just, you know, he wanted to go to war with me again. And that's something that, like, I want to play for him, and I want to play for you guys. So that's why I ultimately came back. Do you guys, I know, like, the word leadership gets thrown around a ton, but, I mean, you guys would seem to be, like, the two returning leaders on the team, like, the two guys that you know what you've been through, you know where you guys want to get to. Do you guys see yourself in that role well, not not that you haven't had a, a role to play with it before but you know what with, with dame gone with with kb gone you guys are really the, the oldest guys ex- coming back are you, are you guys kind of like the tone setters and the culture setters now in the program we're gonna have to take that step um that's something that i have to step. that's a step that i have to take regardless of being on this team being anywhere i play just becoming a leader because if you're gonna have a ball in your hands to be a punk or you're gonna have that responsibility i feel like I'm going to take steps from last year on my leadership position. And I know Jalil will do the same. Like even in Spain, we'll have conversations about those type of things, holding guys accountable, making sure guys are there on time, just, you know, just treating it the right way. Because at the end of the day, if you if you do the right things in your preparation to the season, I mean, everything is going to show. So that's like not trying to take any shortcuts. So mm-hmm. we, we had those conversations. And I'm sure there's plenty of other guys who want to step into a leadership role that's, that's coming along like, I got a good relationship with Steve and he's an older guy. And I know that he's, he come from a winning program and the stuff that they did at Howard. So I know he's extremely excited to, to step into a leadership role as well. But for me, I'm going to take that step to, to hold these guys accountable, hold myself accountable. So we can have the best season possible for our team. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about some of the, the, uh, the, uh, the new guys coming in out of the portal, like Quante Berry, Jordan Riley, uh, Matteo Piccarelli and Steve Settle. And, Cause a lot of them, uh, whether I've talked to them or, or guys from my staff have talked to them, a lot of them have mentioned you and you being an important part of their visit. And even before I ask you about those guys, I wanted to ask you, like, did did Adam Fisher come to you before all this and say, hey, look, you're going to be my lead guy when we when we host these transfers. You're going to be an important part of it because it seems that way from the outside looking in. A lot of them have said, yeah, I see Miller was like the first guy I met, had dinner with him. I could tell how much he wanted to win. Did Coach Fisher go to you and say, hey, I really want you to be an important part of these visits? Um, so from the very beginning, um, before I even committed back to Temple, Coach Fish said his job was to recruit the guys in the transfer portal because this is our home. So from day one, he always um, made me feel like I'm a leader of this team, that I have a say-so on what, what goes on. And, and honestly, my job is to help him get guys here. But he want me to get guys who I feel like that that embrace the Temple culture, that embraces what we want to do here. So and meeting these guys um, through the process, it's just been extremely great. What do you know so far as a Philly guy? He's an incoming freshman. He's obviously going to have a lot to learn. But Zion Stanford, the guy that you're bringing in with this recruiting class, uh, had a really good year at West Catholic. I mean, that's a program that's that's 
come a long way under Miguel Boca Chica. I mean, you guys were obviously at Newman Gretti. You were one of the cream of the uh, crop programs. You guys have been good for a long time, but West Catholic made a lot of strides over the last couple of years. He's coming in. What have you, what can you tell fans about him so far? Obviously knowing that he's a true freshman coming in, he's got a lot to learn, but had a nice senior season for them. What are you expecting from him in his first year? Um, I expect I expect some big things from Z. I feel like, of course, you're gonna have to learn a lot. You mean get adjusted to the speed because that that's extremely difficult. Right? Mm-hmm. But I believe he got the skill set that I mean to play two through four. I mean he can shoot the ball really well. I mean he can get downhill. He defends and he got like a nice vertical. So I think he could play above the rim. I think he's gonna be an impact player, a, a hard worker. I mean coming from you know West Catholic, all those guys were hard. That's mm-hmm. like they coach around now, like. Coach Book, he's going to make sure you work hard. So I know he's going to be ready, and he's working hard every day getting ready for June 12th. So I'm mm-hmm. just excited and to see what he what he got to offer, just another fully guy coming in the door. I know he's going to have a successful career at Temple, like, hands down. Like, he's going to be fine. But I just, you know, you just be on edge, and you just want to see it first. So I just want to see what he does. But I think Billy Holly had a kid. I mean, I played against him probably the last four years almost, even, like, like in the off season, like early to, early in this off season, we was in some runs together, and he, I think he might have scored on me or whatever. But he he got mm-hmm. some he got some game. He definitely got some game. When you talk about Jaleel, to go back to him, I, I know at times he's been hurt. I, I'm sure his shoulder's been bothering him, and obviously, I, I know he struggled with a shot this year. He wanted to take some uh, take some steps there, and he he went through this unfortunate streak where he didn't hit a three all year. And even though that wasn't what he was always asked to do. Uh, he's asked to do a lot of different things to defend and play at both ends of the floor. What do you think this staff can bring out of him? Do you think he struggled a little bit with his confidence that you know this um, past I season? Think, you think he needs a new a new frame of mind? Um, I, I think he I think he did um, struggle with a little confidence here and there, but what he brings to our team is like it's so valuable. I mean, mm-hmm. on both ends of the floor, especially defensively. You know, probably one of the best defenders in the country. Like you mm-hmm. could you could say that square for square, but he's only going to come back better, stronger, and more hungrier. And I mean. I've been in the gym with him. And he makes threes all the time. So like mm-hmm. when I, when, so when I did see him like miss threes throughout the season, I never was upset because like if that's gonna be a part of his game, he's gonna have to make it take a shot because they gotta honor that. So I think he'll make threes this year. I think it's a confidence thing, but it's also a work thing. And I think he's gonna do the little things. I mean, the coaches go, the new coaches will be able to clean up some of the some of the mistakes. Maybe some of our other coaches overlooked over time. You know, with his shot, but I think. He's going to bring so many things to the table and just putting them in places where I'm going to be effective. Like, I'm not saying he, he can't shoot threes or he shouldn't shoot threes. I'm saying, like, with the type of player he is and putting him in the right spots, he could still give us 15 to, to 14 points, eight rebounds, a couple steals, a couple blocks, and impact the game in so many different ways. It's just all about how you use them. And I think they understand that. Coach Clark been with him for three years now. Mm-hmm. I mean, Coach Fish, like, I, I sat down with Coach multiple times already. He's a He's a basketball. He, he knows a lot. So I'm sure he got plans to to, to let this guy off loose because I mean off the leash because he got all the intangibles. And he he he's a real deal, honestly. And I think that'll show as the season progresses as and as we find out the new Jalil White. Did that it might sound simple to say this, but it did seem like whether you had the ball in your hands more or whether he had the ball in his hands more, it just naturally picks up your confidence. And last year it looked like Maybe you guys didn't hit that right stride of like, obviously, like if Dame's hot, you're going to keep getting the ball to him. If KB's hot, there were there were a lot of shots to go around. And it's I guess it's hard to space things out. Is it just as simple as that? Like if 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 Ja has the ball in his hand a little bit more, he can score in different ways and get his confidence back up that way? Of course, of course. Well, just just put him in good spots and give him any space because 
honestly, I don't think it's that many guys who can play in front of him. But I also think we didn't play as much in transition. And I feel like I'm a I'm a pretty good transition player. And I feel like that opens up my game because I, I'll be able to take a take a pull up three, you know, get something quick. And the same with Jalil, he'll be able to get downhill in transition. If you get one, I mean, outlet it, I mean, advance it and let him play in some space. So I just think that's going to be big for our team this year, just, just spacing and letting guys make plays because, I mean, we got a lot of players who who can who can make plays. Mm-hmm. So, I want to ask you about uh, speaking of job. One of his good friends that he played with in high school, Tosh Sweet. He redshirted this past year. I would imagine probably just having a season off just to 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 take a break and and work on himself uh, was probably good for him. What can he bring to you guys? I mean, we know how athletic he is. The coaches have talked about you know the past staff, current staff has said, hey, he's a high energy guy, but he's a good player too. What can he what what did you see from him in practice that you could tell fans about that they can expect for next year? He, 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 like, like coaches said, like he is the energy. I feel like he can like, with him on the floor with us and him in the huddles and suited up, ready to go. I think he, he will, he'll push Jalil White to another level. He'll push me to another level just because his presence and just talking about his game. I think he can make open shots. You know, he can get downhill. He's versatile, super athletic. He can guard two through five. He can even guard one, honestly, but he, he really can guard. Like he's, he got good size. I mean, he's a great rebounder. And honestly, I think just he needed to get back on the floor. I think that's the biggest thing with him, not being able to play as much as he would have liked at West Virginia and then having to sit out here at Temple. But I think once he gets on the floor, it's just like, of course, it's going to take him a little bit of time to get, get used to the game again. It's been some time. But once he gets once he gets going, I think he could be a, a focal piece to what we do here. I wanted to ask you about Shane Dazoni, yet another guy who he was banged up, obviously was hurt. But when he's healthy, he can shoot the ball. Has been in some big time, you know, basketball situations before. What what can he bring you guys next year? What have you seen from him? Since Shane first got here um last summer, I, I feel extremely highly of Shane. I mean, I seen Shane in high school a few times. I mean, I seen him at Vanderbilt. I think he played my freshman year at Vanderbilt. He might have scored, but Shane always is a hard worker. He shoots the ball well, but he's a he's a big physical guard. And I feel like he could kind of follow in the footsteps of Damian Dunn a little bit. I mean, they're not the complete exact players, but like I think he got a little bit of post game. And I think he can shoot the ball really well. And I think he can play a little bit of point. I mean, he had limited minutes last year. Then, like, he had so many unfortunate injuries that kind of just was a bumpy road for him to get his feet wet. But I think this year with a full summer, you know, working out all the way up until summer one starts and get acclimated with the new coaches, I think he'll have a big impact. I mean, have you seen um, the Tulsa game? He, he might have had, like, nine points. And it was it was pretty quick and, yeah. and kind of easy. But in some games, you could tell he didn't really have his rhythm. So I feel like he's going to be able to make a big impact just being like an older guy as well and, and knowing what it takes to win. What can you tell fans about Deuce Roberts? I mean, I think the plan was always going to be for Deuce to redshirt. And I think this, the previous staff thought that they kind of had a diamond in the rough. He was kind of a late bloomer. But um, I, I would hear reports here and there of like, hey, he looks like he's starting to make some steps in practice. What what can you tell people about Deuce and where you might see him fitting in this coming season? Um, I, think, I think Deuce is a hell of a player. Just, just playing against him all last year. I mean, he plays really hard. He got a lot of, like, a lot to his game that's just raw. And it's like, you can't really teach it, honestly. Like, he got, like, a good feel for the game. I mean, he got a, a nice crossover. I mean, of course, you got to um, get better shooting the ball off the dribble and, and shooting shooting in general. But I think just getting downhill, making a shot, I think he can do that. He got great size. He's about, like, 6'5". He's long. I mean, second year with Coach Sun in, in the weight room. Like, honestly, it's just, like, it's a – you never, you, you might not know what you get from Deuce, but honestly, I think 
he got he got everything it takes. Like I'm, I was saying that last year to people and telling guys like he he might not be playing a lot of minutes or might not get a chance to play this season, but trust me, when this kid gets on the floor, he's gonna make he's gonna do some big things. And Coach Fish like is, is super impressed with him. I've been impressed with him just like working out early on before the um before we had the dare period. Like Deuce is Deuce is pretty good. Like, mm-hmm. and I think he didn't get an opportunity to play last year, but. I mean, it's a lot of guys that's going to be in the gym, and he's going to work his tail off, and he's going to be ready. So mm-hmm. I'm just – I'm excited to see what he does, honestly. What about Emmanuel Okpomo? I know he, I know Ema's been a little banged up here at times, and but I also thought there were times where he got on the floor if he needed to – you know, if he needed to spell core for a little bit, if he needed to spell Jamil for a little bit. It seemed like to me like he kind of stayed within what he could do, and he'd leave the floor, and you'd kind of say to yourself, if I was covering the game, I'd say, you know, he didn't really hurt him. He kind of just did what he was supposed to do. Another guy who might just benefit from a little bit more time and confidence. I know we're talking about how Coach Fisher uses his bigs. He was a little bit more of like a traditional back-to-the-basket big, but how have you seen him progress, and, and what have you seen from him this um, season? Emma's always been great. He's always been a hard worker, but when I first got here – um. He would he he could finish around the rim, I mean, but he just wasn't as as physical and as strong as he is now. And I think last year it kind of hurt him because it's like you got Jamil Reynolds and you got um Core. You know, like those are two pretty good bigs with some some good experience, especially Core playing like I think that was his fifth year. So it kind of hurt him a little bit, but I believe moving forward, just getting the opportunity, um, he's going to be ready. Like I was in the gym with him earlier. He looks good. He's in great shape. I mean, Coach Fish wanted him to shoot threes. He told Coach Fish, "I don't shoot threes," but he's not going to shoot any threes. But he's his mid range looks pretty pretty good. Mm-hmm. I mean, but like just finishing around the rim, playing hard defensively, I feel like he can guard any big that that's out there. I mean, he's going to use all his fouls, but he's just a hard worker, man. And I and just playing with him, he make you want to play. He make you get up and and work hard. Like I think he'll have a big year, honestly. Let's talk about about your game. You, you averaged eight point six points, three point one rebounds per game. Obviously, that the season didn't end the way you guys wanted it to. You you, uh, you had NCAA tournament aspirations, didn't get there. How would you assess you know your season in terms of what you think you did well and where you think you need to improve? I think I think my season was kind of up and down. I feel like I had games where I was just inconsistent, you know, overthinking at times, and just you know, I wouldn't say I wasn't was not confident. I could have just been more confident, just played freer, and just took what the defense gave me at times I deferred, you know, and I feel like I could make all the plays out there. I could make the shots, but sometimes I just didn't. I wasn't as aggressive as I should have been every night out. So, and that kind of hurt me at times because sometimes I'll make a few shots and then sometimes I'll miss a few shots. And it's just like, oh, well, I think I'm working hard every day to, you know, just get better shooting off the dribble, really just shooting, working on my floater, just playing with the ball screen more, just trying to get my hand tighter. But I think, I think I'm taking the steps. It's just it's just reps and reps and reps. And mm-hmm. of course, Coach Fisher is still in the confidence and wanting me to be more aggressive every day out. So that's the biggest thing for me, just just being confident, being aggressive, but you know, using this time right now to to prepare myself for November because I'm gonna have a, a bigger role on offense, a bigger role on defense. So my goal is just to get better, in better shape, to guard defensively better. You know, I'm trying to guard one through three positions and get underneath the fours and front the five. So I'm just trying to be ready for any scenario possible. I know Coach Fish wants to switch a lot. So if you got guys like me, Jalil, Jordan Riley, and Shane Dizoni, we should all be able to switch interchangeable one through four, honestly. But just looking forward to being confident, shooting the ball better, and just taking that next step 
in, in my career, just not deferring, being aggressive and, you know, being ready, honestly. There were times last season where you would blow by somebody and then there were times where you would kind of pick up your dribble and you did look like you, you were kind of indecisive. Is that the part of that come from confidence or overthinking things? Like, cause it seemed like there were certain times where you seemed really confident and you get the floater going or you would be able to finish around the rim. And there were times where, like I said, you kind of stop and then pass out. Did some of that come from just a lack of confidence or overthinking things? Um, I wouldn't say it was a lack of confidence. It's just sometimes, you know, just trying to get other guys involved and, mm-hmm. and trying to be a be a point guard and pass first and things like that. And I feel like at times I try to make plays that wasn't there. Like I watched almost every game multiple times and I still watch the game. So it's just like just doing things that aren't always there opposed to just you might just gotta take a tough shot, you know, take take mm-hmm. a quick floater, you know, take the pull up. Even though it, it, it's, it's other one or two things, it's gonna go in or it's not. At times I mean, I might have had a proper spacing or I probably didn't like the shot, so I'll kick it out. But even though I probably could have shot it, you know, things like that. I know it's like the million-dollar question, but if we look back at one more thing, why didn't things work out this past season? I mean, you guys were – I'm not telling you anything you don't know. You guys were literally the team that was capable of beating anybody and losing anybody. You guys – you lost to Wagner, then you beat Nova. You lost to Maryland Eastern Shore, and I know how down you guys were after that. Then you – then you beat Houston on the road. You beat the number one team in America on the road, but then you, you fell short again, didn't win a game in the conference tournament, didn't get to the postseason. What, why were things the way they were if you had to put your finger on it? I mean, that's the question that, you know, like you said, everybody always wondering. It's like, but I just think from, from game one, when we lost the Wagner, I just feel like we was just too hard on ourselves. Like this season, I feel like everybody, like from, I would say from coaches down to the players, we all, knew the expectation, knew how good we could be, but we just was too hard on ourselves, I mean, at times. And I think that kind of impeded our, our growth as a unit because, like, we'll just be – we'll be upset at, at, at things we can't get back at moments that, that we can't relive. So, like, my message, and I think moving forward in my career, just like, I mean, it's, what's, what's in the past is in the past. You can't change it. Only thing you could do is prepare better and get ready for what's next. And at times we moved on to the next game and at times we we didn't. So I feel like that was like our Achilles heel this season, just you know, just not looking to what's 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 next and what's important because you can't control what happened already. And at times I feel like that 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 hurt us. It looks like again, like Adam Fisher has a lot to prove, but he seems like on the surface of it, it seems like his approach is upbeat. Let's have a lot of fun. I'm not trying to imply that he's not going to yell at you guys and get on you guys, but everybody talks about his energy, his energy, his energy. Is that something that you guys kind of like when you're talking about looking back at last year and saying like, if we got down, we got down and we were too hard on ourselves. Is that approach that as of now, is that an approach that you guys feel might be a little shot in the arm for you guys with, with Adam Fisher and his staff? So like, it's, it's, it's just different. Like the energy level is different from, from the previous staff. Like just like coach McKee and coach Fisher, they're kind of a little bit different. So it's just like a different energy, but I feel like it's, it, 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 it just bring more life to the gym at times. You know, you see coaches excited. Coaches is, is running around the gym. You see Coach Jordan running around the gym, and Coach Clark is hype, and Coach Hugh is clapping. So it's just like it's just a different feel at times, you know. But I just feel like just moving forward, we just got to, you know, hold each other accountable. And and I feel like just learning and seeing how the whole thing went last year just – nipping some things in the bud early, making sure all the guys on the same page and knowing what the goal is. Because at times last year, everybody just was on different pages. But it don't matter how good you are, who you bring in. If you got a team that's connected, 
that's on the right page and, and looking to do the right things, which I think the guys we got are all on the same page and just want to win, mm-hmm. then we're going to win. But if you got guys who, who want to do different things and worrying about themselves at times, and you know, then we're not, then we're going to have issues. But I feel like that's, that starts now and that starts when we all get together, just knowing what we in here for, knowing that we every day we come in, we checking those boxes off, making sure we're getting a good list, we're getting our work in. And then, I mean, if you want to be really good at this game, you got to put extra work in. And that's something that, that I've been doing with some of the some of the transfers here, just making sure we're getting our extra shots up. Well, you guys are in the thick of it like that. Like I could even tell just sometimes from your body language, sometimes after you guys would lose a game in the post-game press conference, obviously if you guys are going to, if you lose, you're going to be frustrated, but I, I could sense that in you. And like when you guys are in the the thick of it like that and you're losing some games that, you know, you should win. And like guys can talk about, Oh, we, we talked as players. We can have like a players only meeting, but how hard is it to break out of that when you're in the thick of it and someone's trying to be the leader and someone's trying to say, look, we've got to cut this crap out. We got to do this. Is it hard to kind of separate yourself and break out of it? Or were there things you thought you could fix or were there some things when you talk about guys being on different pages, was it kind of just too far gone at that point, even if you try and try out? I wouldn't say it was too far gone or anything like that. It's just like once we come up short sometimes, it's like we'll, we'll try to figure some things out. But once the game starts and then, like, it, it goes so fast, you might be you might be tied to halftime or you might be winning or losing, but a couple plays and you might be in the game. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it was too far gone. I just think we just never got fully connected. And when we did, We'll have we'll have good spurts at times, you know. We came out short. We turned the ball over a lot last season. I mean, we missed a lot of shots, blew on some defensive assignments, you know. So I don't think it was like it was it was all a connection at that point. I feel like it was more so like just making the right plays for each other. And I feel like we just didn't make the right plays at times, and we turned the ball over. And ultimately, that hurt us because if you you in the last four minutes and it's a tie game, and they get a three up and it goes down, and you turn it over and then they get a layup. You two possessions down, so now mm-hmm. you don't have to run for that much error. So if they just execute one more set or two more sets and get a stop, that's a ball game. I think that happened. It might have been the Wichita State game where yeah. it was it was so quick and the game just got out of hand and it was right there at home. I mean, going back and forth the entire game and then a couple turnovers, they make a couple threes and then it's a ten point game. Wanted to ask you about uh and some nil stuff from the tough fun. They were you were one of the first guys that they signed. And uh, you're a Philly guy. This is home to you. And not only does NIL, like, yes, it helps put some money in your pockets, but it's also been like a service-oriented thing uh, for you guys, too. And it seems to be something that's really you've kind of taken as a point of pride. What what is what is that? What have those guys meant to you in your, in your career here? Um, a tough one has been extremely great, just the whole whole process. I mean, it's, it's, the, it's the support student athletes, but it has a greater cause. You know, we – um. We support the community. We do things in the community to help the homeless. We clean up parks. We just try to be extension of Temple, but in a neighborhood. And I feel like it's not like the money never been been like the main thing for me. I mean, of course, it's, it's cool to have a few dollars, extra dollars in your pocket. But if we could touch people, you know, people who look up to us in the community, people who may know about Temple basketball, but may not have that feel, just seeing us sometimes, it just changes the dynamic. I remember. It was a homeless um, league um, right off like 17th and Cecil B. Moore, which is mm-hmm. minutes from Temple Campus. And just seeing what was going on at gym, it just, you know, it was inspiring for me to be there. Just have an opportunity to help coach and help those guys out because, you know, it's always good. You know, we doing this at a at the Division One level, but they just doing this out of the kindness of their heart because everybody who plays sports, they started somewhere. And like when we were younger, we just played it because that's what we like to do. So 
these guys out here, I mean, they don't always have things to look forward to. So us just being a, being there to just support them for a night, you know, shoot a couple shots with those guys, crack some jokes, you know, it's good. But with me, when I went, I'm short, so I'm not the shortest, but I'm not that tall. When they see guys like like Nick Jardine, Zach Hicks, and those guys coming, they get really excited. But for me, they got to see me make a few shots. To them. Okay, he's pretty, he's still tight. <laughs> but it's a great, honestly. I mean, I like working with those guys. I feel like the purpose is always bigger than just, I mean, the NIL thing. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they, they let us do so much. But I just, I'm just grateful to have that opportunity. We, you touched on it a little bit earlier, but with Adam Fisher and Bobby Jordan, Michael Huger, Chris Clark coming back, again, there's a lot left to determine. But if you had to explain to fans and people who are listening to this podcast and this interview, how do you think Temple's going to play under Adam Fisher? How would you describe the team's new play style under him? I think we're just going. I think we're going to get out, play a little bit faster than we did over the last few seasons. Um, shoot a lot, shoot. Of course, we shot a lot of threes last year, but shoot a lot of threes. But I feel like we're going to have a, you know, a more controlled offense where it's like we're getting good shots, guys are driving, making the right plays. Maybe we eliminate some of the four shots, but just playing the right way, just playing hard, like you know, showing up for the fans because it's like some games, you know. Three guys, a few guys playing hard, some guys making shots, but it's just like sometimes we could do more. You know, we could get on the ground, we could be more energized, you know. Mm-hmm. So just bring a life. Like, that's one thing I, I, I wanted to do is myself. Just for like the last few years, I haven't been playing with like my passion as much as I got for this game. So just mm-hmm. showing like when I'm out there, whether it's a play on, def- on the defensive end, the offensive end, of course I like to be even killed, but just showing that like I'm here and, and we're going to do some big things. Because I think mm-hmm. it translates. I think if I make a big play and, I, and I'm excited and I'm, and I'm riled up, then my team may see me riled up and he's behind me. So I just think everybody being on the same page. And, and actually, we, not just for myself, but when I see other guys doing well, like if I see Steve make a big play, like having that energy towards that, not just when I'm doing something. So it's just like a contagious thing. That's what I think um, help us the most, just having that energy. We got asked you this, I think, in a previous interview, for, but for people who haven't heard it before, tell everybody how you got your nickname. Everybody call, Very rarely do I hear people call you High Sierra. Everybody calls you Fabe. How'd you get that nickname? Um, it was just um, a family uh, family nickname. My mom, she's um, she has eight kids. I'm the seventh child. So before my little brother came along, I was the youngest. So mm-hmm. everybody just called me baby. So I was just the baby at, at one point. But, but then it just transferred. Like my brother, he really couldn't pronounce it too well. So he was just calling me baby. And <laughs> it was like kind of stuck with me from there. But when I, as I got older, I just rather go by Fabe. So that's why I was just cutting short. So I've been going by Fabe since like seven years old. So, but it always been Fabe up until about like seven. How much is it meant to just be? I know it's a simple question to ask, but just to be at home, have them close by, have them be able to come to your games. I know that was a part of why you committed to Temple. But heading into your third season now, what is it like to be able to play D one basketball and and say that you're doing it at home? Um, I, th- I think it's a great experience because not everybody gets to play in front of their home, um, their hometown, and like my family supports me. You know, they've been supporting me this whole journey. They just happy that you know I'm getting a, I'm a college education. But more importantly, outside of that, just got a chance to play for you guys, play for the fans. What about uh, just this summer? Any like, obviously, you're a workaholic. You you work at the game on the court, off the court. You're a good student. What do you want to do this summer? Obviously, you're coming off a really cool overseas trip. Any like places you like to hang out in the city? Any favorite food spots? Just being at home? Any things you're just looking forward to doing this summer where you're just unplugging and not being part of basketball? Um, since, I, since I got back, I've just been trying to get in the gym as much as possible, just trying to catch up on you know, 10 days of lost work. But I feel great. My body's feel great. I think 
being a, being away from the game for ten days, it gave me a, a different perspective and gave me an opportunity to get dive back into things, but just with a clearer mind. And so, but I am, I'm not really looking forward to doing too much. I'm looking forward to being in the gym. I'm looking forward to spending time with my family and friends. I mean, on the weekends and things like that. But just to share some some stuff with you guys, my book is, is closing. I think I'm I should be ready by the, the end of June, early July. That's when I think about my being releasing it. I'm not sure yet, but. I know we're getting close to that. So I'm excited about, about that thing. So you beat me to it. I wanted to ask you that to close out the interview. It's a, it's a, it's a children's book, right? Yeah, it is a children's book, but I mean, adults can read it as well. I mean, it's, it's a, um, probably 50 pages, no more than 50 pages, mm-hmm. but it, it's going to be a great book because it talks about my journey, about how basketball has changed my perspective, about like just how much the game meant to me, my experiences through high school. And then it also, um, talks about like a little bit of things that's going on in the city currently because mm-hmm. coming where I come from, like in South Philadelphia, it's just, it's not the same no more. You used to have kids just loving sports and doing positive things. Now it's just like our city is kind of going in a, a downward spiral with the, with the gun violence. So mm-hmm. it just kind of touches on that because I think more importantly, that's important because when it's all said and done, I think this might be a problem that we still might be facing in the next decade. So yeah. when I, when I hang, hang my shootings up and stop dribbling, I want to be able to, you know, give back, help help the communities honestly so hopefully basketball take me far enough where i'll have that i mean resources and an impact where i can do some major things because you can't save everyone honest that's life but if you could touch enough people and save enough kids i mean you did your job even if it's just one or two so that's, no, that's incredible that's incredible you have you have the title for it and everything i do got a title for it but i'm i'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna share that at, at another wait. time all right. Well, let us know when it let us know when it drops, and we'll, we'll have you on again. Hi, sir. This has been so much fun, man. I appreciate it. Good luck to you. I'm sure I'll see you around the summer. Uh, thanks a lot. I appreciate you guys for having me on. Um, just ready to to get the work in. All right. So some some cool takeaways here. Um, I think I think he was very careful to walk the line by not saying too much about what went wrong last year, but did mention guys were worrying about themselves. He talked about wanting to play with, with more personality. Uh, and he was again, pretty honest and, and knows that they had tournament aspirations. They didn't get there. Talked about how they can get out more in transition. Uh, did mention, I think he was careful to to say that he's not comparing Shane Dazoni to, to Damian Dunn, but he said he's capable of scoring in bunches like, like Damian Dunn. How much of what he's saying here, obviously he goes down, he goes down the roster and obviously he's not going to, he's going to be complimentary of all of his, all of his teammates. But I want to kind of go around the horn here with you guys before we get into to the mailbag and, and, you know, some of the football stuff, maybe give me, you know, he, he you'll hear in the interview there, he talks again about Taj, Deuce, Shane, Akpomo, Zion, all these guys uh, that are returning guys with the exception of Zion Stanford, maybe a guy that could benefit that you think might benefit most from a change when well, I don't say a change of scenery, but um, a change in the staff. Um, I think for me, when I was listening to the interview, I think Shane was a guy that I think didn't really get the minutes uh, under Aaron McKee, but when he did, he looked like he was, he looked like he had something there. And from what it sounded like, like you mentioned how he didn't compare him to Damien, but he said he can score in bunches. And I think you saw that a little bit in the minimal minutes that he played. And I think under a guy like Fisher, I feel like he's a guy that if he can get some minutes and kind of develop, I feel like he's a guy to look out for. 
obviously, again, he didn't get as many minutes. He started off the season injured, and there weren't too many shots to go around, obviously. And then there was, to, to be kind, a lack of of offensive cohesion. Kyle, how do you feel about that? You think he could thrive a little bit more under the staff? Yeah, and and like I think you just talked about the when he finally started getting a little burn, he got injured again. So I mean, it's a little bit of bad luck. I mean, the recruiting pedigree is there. Uh, to the original question, I mean, there's only like three or four choices, right? I think there's yeah. five holdovers from last year's team, and two of them didn't really play. Um, so I, I think I would echo probably Shane Dizoni just because you would assume that everyone comes in with a clean slate and there's not really like the, hey, well, this guy did this for me last year that will carry over. So I think it's going to be a situation where they need points and Shane Dizoni has the potential to score in bunches. Yeah, I mean, similar. I mean, the the person that stuck out, obviously, is Shane because anybody that gets put in the same conversation with Damian Dunn is is a high compliment, especially when you're talking about their scoring ability because Dame could score at ease, you know, at, at whenever he wanted to. So I think another person for the sake of being different could be Emmanuel Akpomo. It was, he didn't really get very much playing time. He did kind of toward the middle of the season and played well, but it'll be interesting to see how he fits in on this new, uh, team with a completely different playing style. I, that's, that's what I'm looking forward to seeing. Um, he was very, Hasir was very complimentary of Akpomo. So maybe we'll see something different out of him next year as well. I would say I would say Jaleel, mainly because just basketball reasons. He needs the ball in his hands and having him sit in a corner when, you know, Dame and Caleb would just pretty much play ISO ball into the shot clock wind down and he's not ideal for that role because, you know, his outside shot is lacking. So if he can had the ball in his hand more, which I thought when he did have the ball in his hand, you know, pushing in transition, he was good at that. And I'm looking forward to actually seeing him get more opportunities to have the ball in his hands. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, the thing I was going to say about Akpomo is that we've talked for a few weeks about this, how it, it seems to be that, that Adam Fisher, from what we're hearing, that yeah, he he may not be as fond of of looking for just straight up like post up bigs and he wants his his bigs to be a little bit more in the role of or the image of like a guy like Steve Settle. But yeah, I think there were times last year Rock Pomo, like I said to Ty Sierra, he, he filled in a little bit here for here and there for Jamil Reynolds, for core. And you know, he's not this obviously if he was an elite skill guy, he would have been playing and starting, but he didn't really hurt them. So it'll be interesting to see Really, all of these guys, what they can do in, with a, with a new staff. Again, Tosh Sweet redshirted, Deuce Roberts redshirted. And again, I'm mindful of the fact that that Hyser is going to go down the roster, and he's not going to be pessimistic about any of his his teammates or speak ill of them. But he did seem, I don't know, he did seem fairly upbeat and kind of ready for a, a change and a new breath of uh, of fresh air there. So, um, and again, just a reminder: if you are an Al Scoop subscriber, you'll get access to the whole interview that we'll have for you later this weekend maybe at the tail end of the of the holiday weekend so again he went right down the entire roster with me including the transfers but you got some good stuff there uh again if you are a subscriber you'll get the whole thing that you'll be able to listen to and again we'll have more news down the down the line about his new book that's coming out which i think is really really cool all right so we said we would have a couple of uh, football recruiting updates to pass along to you temple hosted keon johnson a wide receiver from 
Inlet Grove High School in Florida for an official visit this week. He did tell me that he would commit if he gets an offer, but as of Friday morning, he said he hadn't yet received an offer. So hasn't committed yet, hasn't been added to the 2023 class yet, but uh, definitely seems to have Temple at the top of his list. Again, stay tuned to the site for some coverage of Stan Drayton's upcoming camp this Sunday. Again, we've talked to some of the players who will be there. I don't know. We'll have to see how things go, but this is typically right, Kyle, the, the the start of the recruiting cycle. I mean, they've gotten verbals before in the past, before the camps, but this is when they really, we've said this again, if you're a longtime Temple football fan, you know that this is really kind of the bread and butter of their recruiting. When they got away from that under Rod Carey, it kind of bit them a little bit, but so many of the, of these players that have helped build the program over the past several years have come from just being evaluated at these camps. Yeah. I mean, I kind of said a little tongue in cheek earlier when we were texting, I said pretty much every significant recruit from 06 to 16 either participated in the camp or was discovered at camp. And obviously like I said, a little tongue in cheek, but not that far off. Uh, to answer your question about the timeline, I feel like the last couple of years it's been earlier, but I think a lot of that's because of COVID and kids were high school kids, especially were just trying to lock down spots because they kept being told like not that many scholarships out there. There's not many scholarships out there. Like there's, there's everyone got this free extra year. And that's still true, and the transfer portal still factors into that, but I think you're getting a little bit more of a return to normalcy, so then you're falling back into that May comes along, these camps start, and that's when you'll start seeing verbals come in. Yeah, yeah. So we got a couple of uh, a couple of mailbag questions to get to here to close things out. One from Twitter, from the, the Twitter handle, Off the Hook 3, two-part question. Who is your starting running back? Do EJ Wilson, Jaquez Smith – or Kyle Williams see significant snaps? We'll, we'll answer that one first, go around the horn before we get to a second part. How do you guys see this see this playing out? You see, you, again, starting is a relative term in football anymore, but do any of these guys jump ahead of, of Ed Sadie? Do you think a, a true freshman or a transfer could come in and start ahead of him? I'll tell you what, Kyle Williams better see significant snaps based on what we saw at the spring game. I know you're not supposed to take the actual like results like his stat line seriously because not everybody no 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 i'm not I, i'm, just, I'm taking I'm with you <laughs> i'm taking what i saw physically from kyle williams seriously he is quick he can cut up and down he can run any way across the field he seems like the perfect runner like running back to have in the backfield for temple this year i i just think that he is a guy that needs to see snaps early and to see what he can do at this level but you know, as young of a guy as he is, I think he could be somebody that could take some significant snaps. And then toward the end of the season, maybe we're looking at him as, you know, one of the top two, three running backs on the roster. Rami, are you excited about what you saw from him in the spring as well? Yes, I love Kyle Williams. Just the way he runs the football. He runs hard for someone who's not, you know, known as like a big back. He runs very hard and he adds an extra element out the backfield in terms of re- as a receiver. So that that always helps. At the end of the day, I do excuse me. I do think Sadie starts. I do think as Sadie starts, air quotes. But Kyle Williams should see the field at some point, just because I think he adds something that they've been missing, especially last year. How much time do you do we think? We know the staff is, is pretty high on Jaquez Smith, and he, he was not a mid year enrollee. He's graduating. I'm assuming this month or next month down in Florida, and then enrolling this summer. How much time, Kyle, John, if you guys want to jump in on this, how much time running back is typically one of those those positions where I don't want to say you just learn the playbook in two weeks, but where a true freshman can play. Do we think you could make up, a, you know, for some some lost time not being a part of spring ball and, and, and getting into the rotation right away? 
No, I, I definitely think so. I think um, kind of like ed- echoing what Ramir and Declan said, I think Edward Sadie will kind of be the guy to start, but I could definitely see a guy like Joe Quez, especially Kyle Williams too, kind of evolving and getting more snaps, significant snaps at the running back position and had a good year last year in high school. I think he's a guy that could really surprise some people, even though he wasn't a mid-year arrival. I think he could come in and learn the playbook quickly and be a significant factor. Yeah, I think the thing with any running back freshman or transfer or whatever is learning the blocking. I think mm-hmm. I think it's easy to plug somebody in and say, well, you're going through this gap, you're going through that gap, we're swinging out left. But like, it's really about like picking up blocking and pass protection. That'll be the biggest deterrent for a guy like Smith or Kyle Williams to get on the field. I kind of, I, I know this is like a lazy comparison, but I, I'm going to keep doing it. Um, the 2014 <laughs> Temple football team really resonates me with this year's team. And if you remember with that, that was the year Jahad Thomas was starting to be running back. Zaire Williams was still around. David Hoey was brought in. And in the end, Kenny Harper held on to the job towards the end and really got a meaningful snap. So I'm kind of leaning towards, did Ed, is Edward Sadie an 1,800-yard back in an all-conference selection? Probably not, but there, he's the most established back on this roster, and I kind of just think he's going to get the, the lion's share to begin with. And then if you're off to such a slow start like they were last year with running the ball, then maybe that's when you start seeing, okay, Kyle Williams had 15 carries, something like that. I think both Williams and Smith have the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield, which will get them onto the field. Um, but I think Edward Sadie is probably the more traditional running back. There are a couple of other things to think of here as we talk about which of uh, these running backs will start. Of course, Chris Wiesahan has to find his five best offensive linemen who can open up holes in the running game. And then to Ramirez's point in terms of throwing throwing the ball to running backs out of the backfield, I think that the EJ Warner would be capable of doing that, but can they set up the blocking for it to be effective? Do these guys know how to block downfield and, and get that done? If you're looking at the schedule, you would think that that Rutgers is going to be a, a fairly tough game, but if if Akron's going to be a subpar team again, and if you can head into that game and throw the ball to get ahead, maybe some of these guys can get reps in the second half. If if not against Akron, if not against Rutgers, you would hope against Norfolk State on September sixteenth, and then you've got Miami after that. But I, I think if these guys have a chance to flash in the in the non conference portion of the schedule before they get settled in, we'll see. The other part of this question was, who are your starting wide receivers? So Jose Barbone is gone. Adonica Sanders is gone. Interesting. Well, go ahead, Kyle. I I still think, I mean, if you're, there's there's too many similar receivers on this roster for my uh, liking. So I I would hope that maybe there's still the chance they bring in somebody um, that's a little bit different. Because I think you just have smaller, speedy wide receivers on this team. Um, But of that group, I mean, Ahmad Anderson, is an established player. He's he's shown flashes towards the end of the season. He was pretty pretty solid. I think Dante Wright from Colorado State has a chance. And then I'm curious to see who's that big receiver. Is it Ian Stewart? Is it Zay Baines? Is it Dwan Mathis? I don't know. Yeah, that's the more interesting uh, piece of the puzzle there, Ramir. What do you think of the, of the guys that are that you would classify as as bigger receivers? I mean, we would tend to think that Ian Stewart's going to be healthy by then. You know, Dewan, former quarterback, say Baines, we've seen some flashes of him. Who do you see stepping forward there? See, Ian Stewart has been hurt pretty much since I started covering the team. So mm-hmm. it's hard for me to see him. Just one injury, right? He was here <laughs> one year and he got injured one time. 
Yeah. Hey, I don't think I've seen him play. That like I started covering him mid year last year. So gotcha. Yeah, he would have been done that then. So he's just a name. He might not even exist in Ramirez's mind. He's <laughs> <laughs> a ghost. But I find it hard for him to separate himself from a guy like Zabanes because Zabanes has played and because he's gotten significant snaps. I wanted to be Dewan Mathis so bad, but I just don't. I don't see it right now. Zay's with that part, sorry, real quick, real quick with that part. From like a covering the team perspective, I wanted to be Dewan Mathis too, right? It's a great story. If all of a sudden he became this thousand yard receiver and he goes the Antoine Randall L route and all this stuff, great. I don't know. I mean, he to his credit, he didn't transfer out. He right. stuck with it. He played a little bit towards the end of the year, like played more than I thought he would towards the end of the year. Um, who knows? Maybe he he's always been a dynamic athlete. Maybe this is when it finally plays. Yeah, Dwan's six, against Yeah, Dwan's six six, two ten. Ian Stewart checking in at six three two ten. And again, he had the foot injury, right? It was a season ending yeah. foot injury. Yeah. And Zay Baines is in that six three that six three range, right? About six three one seventy five. But again, Lake showed some flashes last year. But yeah, they're gonna need somebody there unless again they unless they snag somebody uh out of the transfer portal. So or I mean their big wide receiver is named Jordan Smith. Yeah. Like he, exactly. he plays tight end, but it, it's Jordan Smith, right? So yeah. That's what I was gonna say. It it doesn't really matter as much if you have the small quick wide receivers if you make the tight end room the focal point that I think it should be in the offense. Like mm-hmm. if you just get guys like Jordan Smith, David Martin Robinson the ball, then you're not worrying so much, I think, about the outside. You know, it's more complimentary. But we'll see what happens with that. Jordan Smith should be the guy that, that gets the ball, I think, the most in this offense. But mm-hmm. who knows? Yeah, I think I can't remember if it was Dan Langsdorf or Adam Shire, but somebody during the offseason made the comment like it wasn't a coincidence that our offense started clicking when we finally got DMR and Jordan Smith on the field at the same time. So Yeah. Yeah. I until shown otherwise, just keep going to that. Keep doing yeah. that. Mike T B thirty one, one of our one of our subscribers, checking in here with a with a two parter Memorial Day related questions. First one, smoker, blackstone, or propane grill for Memorial Day eats. We have any grillsmen on this podcast? No. I was never taught how to grill. Yeah, I'm not allowed to be near fire. <laughs> that sounds like <laughs> not a bit, my bit family like does not it. trust me around, which is valid. I don't trust. I say, have you either. given them reason to not trust? Yeah, you that's what I was no, say. I've never been even thought. Like I'm, I'm a very clumsy individual, so I like I get it. You know, I understand, but I've never, you know, never had the opportunity. But with that said, we always had charcoal. So wait, Johnny, I don't know if that's blackstone. I don't know what that's Johnny Ramier. When Declan says I'm, my family prefers I not be around fire, have you seen? Anything that would give you pause or give you um, some cause for concern for for Dagon Landis to be around a grill? And be honest, I can take it. Oh, no, I was gonna say I don't think so. Like I, I've never I mean, seen. I, like, we I, never cook though. We always like exactly. we go out to places to eat. Yeah, we're we're college kids. So we don't really like cook. So it's not it's even like, that. We're just lazy. Well, yeah, that too. We're lazy. <laughs> uh, speak for yourself again, Rymir Vaughn. The Al Scoop, the official AlScoop.com dietitian and nutritionist. <laughs> so I would not, I would not sell him short here. I called you our n- nutritional center a few weeks ago, I believe. So I don't know if that was yeah, two, two weeks ago. I'm here. Do you grill? Do you are you a grillsman? I, I don't grill. I want to learn how to though, but I just never got any opportunity to. 
pile? Any, I, any I grill. I grill. I'm not the most patient person in the world. Um, so mm-hmm. smoker right off the bat is no go for me. I'm not putting something on there and checking it 14 times over the next nine hours. Not going to happen. Yeah. Um, Blackstone, I get close to buying one every summer just because like, I like the concept of it for those. I mean, Declan just admitted he didn't. So for like those, it blacks essentially just like a flat grill. It's like a, uh, like, almost a like, like a hibachi thing almost like, okay. it's like, gotcha. like a standoff or like flat thing. So you can like make like breakfast on, you can make eggs. And then I read online that like once you get a Blackstone, that's when people start asking you like, we'll go outside and make eggs and go do this. And I don't like to be bothered. I don't want to do that. <laughs> um, charcoal, same thing. I'm not going to wait for charcoal to warm up i like to be able to turn it off and propane comes on so propane grill yeah I'm also a... i'm like a line cook like we're just getting all these things at the exact same temperature and they're going out i don't care oh there's no oh i want this medium well i want this now you're all just getting the food we have a wood pellet grill and that is that's pretty cool i don't know anything about it but yeah. you know it tastes pretty good so there you, you know, i'm not complaining get a little it... smokier feel i would imagine yeah yeah I, I do think something like that would like that would would taste better than propane. Johnny, what were you gonna say? No, I was gonna say my dad actually just got a Blackstone grill last summer, and I will say the like the breakfast in the mornings, like cooking out, like because I've helped him cook on it like a couple of times on the Blackstone. Like that actually is like really like nice to use. Yeah, yeah. So you are a grillsman, Johnny. You're selling yourself well, short. I, I like I help him like take it off the grill. Like I don't like cook on the grill. Okay, grillsman right. in training. What yes, about a George Grossman training? Yes. No. <laughs> no, stop it. <laughs> I, I had a George Grossman. Foreman grill my like freshman year. I would go down to, um, to fourth meal and I would take, I would take a bag of bread. I'd empty it out and I'd, I'd make like six sandwiches, shove them back in the bread thing and just leave. And then I'd go upstairs and with the George Foreman and make little paninis. Little like, <laughs> it was delicious. I was like, look, if I'm going to pay however much for tuition, I'm going to get all the food I can get from <laughs> it's pretty okay chef but then um what was I gonna say other than that how are these oh, paninis oh and they're fine I if anybody couldn't be trusted <laughs> around a grill it's me my worst injury like I ever had in my life was uh like July of 2019 like a July 4th thing I was making beans on a grill and I had a couple couple beverages and went to get the beans off, not realizing it was a metal handle and not like an insulated handle, oh, and no. just like third degree burned my hand. And oh, then no. I went to the Caribbean like two days later. Oh. The worst pain, whenever I would close my hand, my hand would just be like excruciating pain. So I started lancing it every day. Oh. I would just like get it down and then wrap it. And then halfway through, people, someone told me like, you know, there's like bacteria in like the Caribbean Sea that like you really don't want in your body. I'm like, oh. mm, well, here we are. And uh, Lord, yeah, it was a great, a great couple weeks. It sounded like you were on a pirate ship. It's land. You just <laughs> was, was scurvy bo- involved with this at all? Or I was what? just boiled the needle every day, and, and then oh. off we went. Oh, that's what that is. I was trying to figure out what you were saying. I, was, I had like a welt. Clues. I had a welt, and couldn't close my hand because of the welt there. So I said, "Well, how do I get rid of the welt?" Oh, yeah. What was Meg's commentary on this? Meg was pregnant with our first child, sober on my Caribbean drinking fest, so she already wasn't in a great mood. <laughs> uh, the the women's national team was in the women's World Cup, I believe, and I just we like me and like a, the other couple we were with just went and watched a lot of women's soccer games and got belligerent. And Meg, sober, pregnant, just alone for the ride. Husband of the year on that trip. I think we had <laughs> scheduled the trip prior to the pregnancy, if I recall correctly. Yeah. And prior to you, your hand becoming a claw for, for two weeks. Yeah, essentially. It's terrible. There's like photos of us like with the scenic backdrop and it's just me with a rat hand. Like, 
like you looking like uh, Michael J. Fox in Back to the Future. Which oh one? no, 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 no! It was the guy who. It was the guy who. Uh, it was the guy, the guitarist he replaced who had the busted hand. Anyway, yes, that's that was the whole point. And then, yes, then yeah. your cousin Barry, Sam Cohen would appreciate it, but he's not here. I read something the other day. The actor that I didn't realize, um, the Crispin Glover, when he played the dad in the first one, refused to come back for the second one. So they used like early 80s, like CGI basically to like make the second actor look like Crispin Glover to the point that, um, when Leah Thompson later on introduced that actor to her mom, she said, This is the guy that plays Crispin. She didn't know his name. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. They were just like, No, we wanted Crispin Glover. Wow. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's good stuff. Second part, baseball. Yeah. Second part of Mike TB31's question here is a good one. What would ruin a Memorial Day weekend more? Temple announcing a head coaching search, basketball or football, or rain for the three-day weekend? This is a no-brainer. It's the coaching search. It's the coaching search, and it's not even close. Yeah. Like, yeah. I can deal with rain. I can stay inside. I can still – I still get three days off from work. Like, it'll be fine. If all of a sudden on Saturday morning – Adam Fisher resigns to go become the athletic director at Germantown Academy. Then like, there's like a coaching staff. Then like it becomes exhausting, right? Like that's, that's the worst. Yeah. It's poorly for, for starters, any sort of coaching change around a Memorial day weekend would be very poorly timed for the, for the well being of either of those programs. So there's that, but yeah, just, well, I guess the guys couldn't leave. Like Fisher started create a roster, the transfer portal yeah. window's over, right? So like yeah. Coach Kyle's coming in and we're gonna <laughs> and we're gonna run the Princeton offense. Like, let's go. I think Coach Vaughn would be really upset if he didn't get hired for that yeah. gig at that point. Yeah. He's ruffled too many feathers. Okay. <laughs> You're just dealing with I mean, what what crazy rumors would we hear if if this weekend that news broke that so in Kyle's world, Fisher's leaving to become the athletic director of Germantown Academy or Germantown Friends. Look, it's a call, call to action. Like he where would where would, Stan Drayton, where would Stan Drayton be going at this point? Like if Stan Drayton actually left Temple at this point after one season, yeah. three and nine NFL job. Yeah, it'd be like NFL running back, right? Like mm-hmm. going back to there, like hey, the Niners needed me, and I couldn't pass over the opportunity to coach Christian McCaffrey. Like it would have to be that. And then the, all the that would be a massive pay cut, I believe. Yes, and all the insanely but, stupid rumors would would ensue. And then Not we'd fun. end up with like, you know, who you know who's out there? You know, who just was just in the facility a couple weeks ago. What's up, Kyle? How you doing? Jeff's back. GC Five's back. How you doing, bro? <laughs> Waffle House for life. That's not really how he sounds. Jeff Collins' voice <laughs> is not that raspy. It could be. I'm gonna hear it. Maybe he's just started. Gonna... Maybe he's picked up smoking in the last three years. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't at all like Jeff Collins. He never had that raspy like back of the voice. No, <laughs> he just went like southern, like bumpkin, but like raspy voice. He is from the south, to be fair. He is, but he also has like a a level voice. You You're right. both. My apologies to Jeff Collins, who's. Honestly, never been anything other than nice. he was probably at Truist uh, Field last night. It was Braves and Outcast. He loves oh. Outcast. Yeah, yeah, he was. He was a big Outcast guy. I forgot about that. Anyway, that'll do it for this week, guys. Any fun Memorial Day weekend plans? I have. Um, no, you go first. Johnny, you're at the beach, right? Yes, I am. At Where the are you at? What's your point? Uh, Wildwood. 
Oh, okay. You can't drink on the beach anymore, Johnny. They passed that law. Well, I can't. I can't drink. Period. Okay, but <laughs> but they, they can't. You gonna run into Frank Vogel? No, he might, he might be the only one left by the time this all wraps up. <laughs> it's it's wild. Every time there's like a a Woj bomb, or whatever, and like this franchise is down to these four candidates. It's the same four candidates for every every open NBA job. Yeah, and the Sixers might be last. In that. How old is Hubie Brown at this point? 88. Yeah, like he's still so good on TV. What if he you see what's coming out next week on um, NBA Network? No, a documentary called Everything But the Chip. It's about like the oh, uh, 2001 Sixers. Oh, where they yes, want every yes, they yes, want yes, every yes. single yes. award except for yes. The- Yes. That's good. Yes. Might see some Aaron McKee in that documentary. I would think so. He, won, he wins one of the awards. He won six man of the year that year. Yeah. Yeah. Declan, you know, you know fun did, plans? You know who didn't win an award that year and later fell asleep while being a color commentator? My buddy Eric Snow. Buddy Eric Snow. Who got snippy with me once when I just asked him a very inane question about Aaron McKee. I'll always can't, remember that about Eric Can't Snow. waste Eric Snow's time. No. There's a handful of people in the world whose time you can't waste. Yeah. Eric Snow is one of them. Yep. Ramir, Declan, what do you guys have queued up this weekend? Uh, I'm crashing my friend's family vacation with a, a group of friends. We're going on with Sunday. A group of friends. Where's yes. this vacation? Uh, somewhere in in the beaches in Delaware. I don't remember which one. There's a bunch of them all in a circle, and I don't remember which one we're going to. But we're going <laughs> to one of them. Chelsea and I almost booked dewey beach for our anniversary weekend but we're oh we're you're not. a dewey guy okay not, i'm not a dewey guy i literally have only been there once who we went you there for don't the look like party. a 37 year old divorcee Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> you know they all have very specific demographics i would have pegged yeah. you for a rehoboth honestly but Rehoboth's dewey makes it more relaxing too. yeah i went to rehoboth when i was like six i used to have a t-shirt that was just a whale and said rehoboth on it and nice. i have that's my only rem- my memory i don't remember the beach whatsoever <laughs> i just remember the shirt with the whale we always go to Indian River. Indian River is like a, a state park. Mm-hmm. That and Cape Henlopen, where Caden's from. Those are the two I love. Caden. But we're Caden not going Bruce either Steel. one. I forget which one it is. Ramir, what are you, what are you doing this weekend? Getting my car fixed. The AC is broken. So I oh. have you tried the AC in a can thing? I did. I tried it. The Wait, other that day. didn't work? No, because apparently my the, it was filled, filled already. Oh. I think it's my compressor that doesn't work. Oh, oh no. no. Mm, that is actually not that John's thing. wedding or your wedding in 2015. Uh, my AC was out in my car and I was like, Meg, it's like 82 degrees. We'll just put the windows down and it'll be fine. And we had to pull over when we got to Brigantine because Meg's dress was just like drenched in sweat. Oh. So she, I was like, ah, it'll be okay. I think we went, checked in the hotel and she was just drying it off with a, with a hairdryer. Never would, never would have known. Well, I would hope not. It was your wedding. She was, graceful. You she was graceful as always at the, yeah. at the wedding. I think me, her, and Nick Mento were trying to figure it out for three hours. <laughs> Ramir, I, I'm sorry, buddy. That's, uh, that's, a, that's a costly job. Well, think good thoughts. Hey, we all know it's the compressor. Yeah. Right, you're right. You're right. It might be an on-off switch somewhere. Who the hell am I? I, I, don't, I, I know how to change a tire and check my oil. And uh, not. A I say I know how to change a tire. I've never changed a tire. Like I understand the concept. And I think I know how to do it. I've never actually done it. Yeah. Same. God willing. Knock on wood, because, oh my, I couldn't imagine that. Did it very early on in my life. Johnny's waving to somebody. No, he was knocking on wood. Oh, he's knocking on wood. I was knocking on wood. Oh, knocking on wood. You look like you're waving to somebody. Okay. It's because his his background's blurred. His family's going to Uncle Bill's or 
someplace down there. So. Maybe maybe they're leaving you behind. Johnny, you oh. a Scrapple guy? No, I'm not a Scrapple guy. Declan really? Scrapple. That's surprising. I'm not. Ramirez going to punch us all in the face if we eat Scrapple. In his, in his Scrapple is disgusting. I'm not a Scrapple guy. <laughs> I actually don't mind it, but I haven't, I haven't eaten it in years. It definitely isn't the healthiest thing in the no, world. No, no, no. But I also right, don't think it's marketing itself. No, no. Food. <laughs> Tried our new oat milk vegan scrapple. <laughs> 20, 28 grams of pure protein in every serving. Now, That's good numbers. They yeah. might have protein. Yeah. That's good number. They yeah, might have a fair amount of protein. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, we're, we're, yeah, we're going up to, we're going up to, uh, up near, uh, Falmouth, uh, up near Martha's Vineyard for, for a quick, Quick Memorial Day weekend for our anniversary. We're bringing bear, bringing our, bringing really, our you're going that far away. You you told me that, and I just didn't even like process it. You're well, like, we, oh, we, we gotta we... play something near Cape Cod, and I was like, okay, it's never. Well, yeah, like up around there. So we're you're just driving. Little... Yeah, driving a little bit later today, so we'll have bathroom breaks for uh, speed for, for a little for a uh, little little teddy bear. You're leaving, th- you're leaving like three, you said. Yeah, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. I know we're gonna hit some traffic. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck. You might want to run a boat. Just run a boat and head north. Keep the (laughs) keep the land on your left. You'll get there eventually. Do you remember when you tried convincing me? Was it last year that you and Meg were 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 taking a boat to the Outer Banks? It was a couple years ago. I was like, yeah. I was like, price wise, a little more expensive, but like time, it's pretty similar. Like you just keep the ocean, keep the ocean to your left and the land to your right. You'll get there. And it was not long after Jordan had been born. I was like, you're going to take like a nine-month-old. First of all, he's in a year and a half. Okay. <laughs> he took swim classes. It'll be fine. Yeah. I'd love to have seen that. So anyway. No, I just drove instead. I wish I'd taken a boat. I'm doing, I'm doing that again in a month. The exact same trip. Taking a boat? You're a big boat to... guy. Yeah. No, the, just driving to the, to like Nags Head or whatever. I think we're actually staying in Duck. So Outer Banks. Duck, you staying out of trouble awesome. this weekend? I love it. I love it what was that, Johnny? You staying out of Duck is awesome. Yeah, I've never, I, we good. stayed the southern part. We stayed in Nags Head last time. I didn't spend much time in Duck, but now my family's going this year, so we're doing Duck. So it should be fun. There you go. Well, we hope you all have a very, very good, fun, eventful, safe, happy, and healthy Memorial Day weekend. Thanks again for listening to another episode of The Scoop. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>